Welcome, everybody, to the Gov Shack. Yes, it's Larry Sharp, and I'm here Wednesday evening again at the Gov Shack, taking your calls and taking your notes and chatting with you about what's happening in the nation and in New York, trying to move forward. Remember, if you want to call in, 877-480-4120. That's 877-480-4120. Sitting here in Manhattan, New York City. Yes, the belly of the beast. And the place, believe it or not, where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is from. Yes, she is my congressperson. I'm sure that makes many of you very, very happy. Um, doesn't make me too happy. But it does make some of you happy, I'm sure, to know that I'm the one being punished. So yes, the new Green Deal is here. Isn't that awesome? I'm sure you feel warm and fuzzy already. So yeah, there's a couple things I want to bring up here. I talked uh, earlier about the idea of talking about both healthcare and foreign policy. And let me touch briefly on the healthcare piece that matters mostly, that matters very important here. And that is the idea that healthcare is a right. This piece is important because is healthcare a right? Is healthcare insurance a right? Are both a right? Are neither a right? And the problem is no one's actually saying any of those things. Just saying, well, healthcare is a right. Okay, we need to figure this out. What does that mean? But something more important, there's a bunch of people right now who are talking about things they deserve. And I want to be very clear. There's a difference between something you deserve and a right. Who decides what you deserve? Who decides what a right is? Why do I go here? Because I've been watching TV commercials here in New York State. And if you live in New York State, you've seen these. And the, and the, the commercials say things like this. Call up Healthy New York and you can get cool health insurance. The, the health insurance, here's the phrase, that you deserve. And then there's someone who says, I'm so happy I called New York State and I got the health care that I deserve. This is the beginning of everyone believing they deserve health care. But did they actually get health care? First off, no. What they got was health care insurance. Probably pretty crappy health care insurance. But they got health care insurance. They didn't say, no one in the commercial says, I got the health care insurance I deserve because you got crappy health care insurance. If you deserve that, you're, not, you're doing something wrong. So you will hear this constantly. Health care that you deserve. Health care that I deserve. Two points. First, is it health care or health care insurance? Do people deserve health care or health care insurance? Or both. And if they deserve it, who decides that? Do I decide? Do you decide? Who decides what we deserve? And if you're bad, do you not deserve it? You know what? You said you're going to quit smoking and you didn't. No health care for you. You don't deserve it. This entire concept is a bad concept, a bad idea being pushed everywhere. And you keep seeing it. If you listen, it's we deserve it. We have to have it. It's a right, but they're not actually saying what that means, and this is really important to understand. Let me be very clear. Does every person on the planet deserve good health care? Of course. You're a human. Of course I want that for you. Of course I do. I want that. Of course. Who, who wouldn't want that? Who, and let me be very clear. I do this all the time for libertarians. I ask them a question. I say, libertarians, are you against universal health care? And you will often, the libertarians get mad. Yeah, we're against universal health care. And I say, no, you're not. What you're against is the mandate. You're against it being forced. If there was actually a plan, I don't have one yet, but maybe one day I will. If there was actually a plan that allowed everyone to get covered without being forced, would libertarians be against it? Of course not. They'd be like, oh, great. You have the answer. I love it. That's amazing. So we're not against universal health care. We are against the force that requires us to have it. Because once you get to that point from deserve to right, and by the way, that's what's happening. It's starting with deserve, and then eventually it will become a right. It will go from I deserve it to it's a right. They know right now people who want universal health care, who want single-payer system, the, the, the VA for all, those who want VA for all know they can't say it's a right yet. They can't do it because it's completely not true. It isn't true in any way, shape, or form right now. They know that. But they are saying it's deserved because that's the first step to then getting people to believe 
it's a right. And you're going to see the next step is either a city or a state is going to put health care in their constitution or their charter. That's the next step. And that will come because people will start saying, don't we deserve it? If we deserve it, let's call government. Because the second thing I saw right in the same thing was the idea of nurses in New York City being angry and doing a, a semi-strike. They're calling it a demonstration. It's not leaving work. But it's, a semi, it's like a demonstration saying, we want more of this, we want more of that. And when they're being interviewed, the person who was interviewing them said, what should we do? I know you want this thing to make better health care. What should you do? What should we do to help you? And the nurses said, call your government. Call your legislators. Why wouldn't I call the hospitals or the doctors? See that? that that's exactly in line. They didn't say, call the hospital and tell them to do the right thing. Call the doctors and tell them to do the right thing. Don't go to a hospital who won't do the right thing. Don't go to a doctor who won't do the right thing. No, no, no. Call the government to force them to do stuff. This is where it's going. We're not at a right yet, but we are making those steps. And once we make it a right, the ball game's over. How do I know that? Look at New York State education. For those of you who don't know, in New York State, education's a right. That's in our Constitution now. That's been written into our Constitution. Education's a right in New York State. The New York State government must pay by Constitution for your education from grades 1 through 12. That is a right in New York State. That was written in. Our education system right now in New York State is the most expensive, over $22,000 per kid, and we rank, give or take, 37th. Yes, 37th, and we spend the most. And what has been our answer for everything? More money. More money. Our healthcare system will follow that. Because coming up here soon, you're going to see it. They're going to start writing healthcare as a right. Now, what happens now? What happens now if all of a sudden now there's no hospital or there's no doctor or there's no whatever in your town, in your city, in your state, and it's a right? Now what happens? You're going to force doctors to move there? Yeah, you are. Because you're going to have to have a system that's run by the state. What else can you do? Right now we have a system, we have an education system run by the state. Because you have to give everybody the same thing, right? You have to. So boom, now the state has to run that. Now the state will run the hospitals or doctors now. You can't find an American doctor now. What's going to happen when the state runs it? What happens when the doctor has to be there? And man, he or she is a terrible doctor. Literally, like people are dying. Terrible doctors. Are you going to remove them? Can you remove a teacher? No, we have terrible teachers that stay. We have a lot of good teachers too. But we actually have a situation where we paid, I'm not joking, we paid teachers to sit in a gym because we had to pay them. So we made them show up and they sat in the gym for a year every day and we paid them because we couldn't fire them. How do you feel about doctors having that same thing? That's the next step. It goes first. I deserve, then it's a right, then it's VA for all. Doctors are all run by the government. But Larry, if doctors run by government, everyone will have a doctor. Maybe that might be true. To be, to be fair, that may be true. Everyone might have a doctor. But what quality doctor will they have? And how will you innovate? And what goal, what incentive will any doctor have to innovate? No, you have to follow all the guidelines. The guidelines will be written in, say, 2020. And in 2050, the guidelines will be exactly the same, even though in every other country will have advanced 30 years in medicine. And we'll be with the same guidelines. How do we know that? That's the VA right now. That's the VA right now. Do you know if you try to get help as a veteran to go get a job and you go to the VA, they will talk to you about things like, what kind of paper your resume is on. Are you insane? Who cares about that? That's the stuff they talk about. Why? Because the, the stuff written was written 20 years ago and no one's changed it. That's why. Same thing will happen with your health care. But Larry, then, won't the rich people decide to go ahead and, and change things? No, because they won't be on VA for all. They'll be on their own health care.
That's already happening right now in Europe. It's called supplemental insurance. Read it as rich people insurance. In Manhattan right now, where I am, try to find a doctor, a good doctor, a reputable doctor that takes insurance. Harder and harder to find. Harder and harder to find. Many, many times you will find that these best doctors take no insurance. Why? The wealthy people go there. Rich people don't care. That's why the rich are completely fine with, the, with, with single payer. They don't mind. Single payer, that's awesome. Why? They're not going to be on it. They're going to be like, eh, you, you poor people go on that. I'm going to go hang out with my doctor that I write a check for 500 bucks every time I go see him. Because I'm wealthy, so who cares? So they don't care. But Larry, this is going to be terrible. If we don't have this, people are going to start starving and dying. All right. Let me give you something you might want to think about here. Look at the analogy in healthcare where there is no insurance. The best thing I can talk to you about and show you that you can see everywhere is non-essential medical care. Things like cosmetic dentistry, LASIK eye surgery, things like that, um, uh, uh, augmentative surgery on your body, right? Any of those things. You see that, right? Consistently in every single time, every single case, a couple things have happened. Number one, pricing has gone down. Number two, service has gone up. Number three, more people have had access. Every single time without exception. The only thing that hasn't got higher technology and better service and lower pricing is when the insurance companies run our medical, um, run our health care. That's it. If you're old enough, you remember back in the day, LASIK eye surgery was so expensive, they used to do it per eye because it was so expensive. You couldn't afford both eyes. So you get one eye done, save up some money, get the second eye done. Now everybody gets LASIK eye surgery, right? Cosmetic dentistry, only the movie stars got that. Now like your cousin gets it, right? Everybody gets it. That's how it works now. Why? Because they're forced to try to, they're forced to, try to make it cheaper, better, faster. That's the issue. That's what we're talking about. I want our healthcare system to not be deserved, to not be a right. I want our healthcare system to be like LASIK eye surgery, to be like cosmetic dentistry. I want it to be to a point where everyone can get good healthcare, which means we have to reform the healthcare system, not healthcare insurance. And let me say this one more time. Every single time we talk about healthcare is a right, what they're saying is we're going to make government give you crappy healthcare insurance. If you don't like your healthcare insurance now, you're going to hate it when the government has it. Fix the healthcare system so that it's cheaper, faster, better. Then what will happen? Prices for insurance will go down. Everyone will be able to afford insurance. If you can't afford insurance, there'll be incentives to get people to let people have insurance for cheap. We can do that. We can still retain a government safety net if you want to. We can, absolutely. But once you've lowered all the pricing, guess what else happens? Medicaid, Medicare come down. It's a huge chunk. You've been watching it. $22 trillion debt that we have. And give or take a third of our budget is Medicaid, Medicare. Entitlements. Wow. Why is no one speaking about this? What do we worry about? The wall and Syria and whatever. How many people are you, affect you, are, how many people, sorry, are affected by the wall or Syria or whatever compared to people affected by your day-to-day medical costs, your weekly, your monthly medical costs? This is the problem. Let's work on stuff that actually matters. Let's do that. All right, got to get a quick break. I know I, I, I ranted a bit. But I want to make sure we understand something. This healthcare issue is an issue. We have to be thinking about this in an entirely different way. Look, if you, want, if you like what I'm doing, support me. LarrySharp.com slash donate. Give what you can give. Tell your friends. Let's keep this thing going. I'll be back in two minutes after the break. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! (laughs) (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Larry Sharp, I am back here at the Gov Shack. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening and watching. I appreciate it. I want to bring up something very quick. I am going to be in Dutchess County on March 14th. So, yes, the Dutchess County uh, Libertarian Party is having an event there. They're having a meeting. We're going to start up another, um, another chapter there, another, another committee there. Come on out. I will be there. I'll, uh, I'll shake hands, kiss babies, and hopefully say something funny or smart or one or the other. All right, let me grab a phone call if I can. I want to add, grab Jason. Jason, how are you? Hey, Larry. Um, this is my first time actually calling into a radio show, so bear with me if I uh, screw up. Um, I'll just punish you brutally. No worries. Okay. <laughs> um, my question is about the blue state, red state dichotomy. Um, yep. Like, first it was Nevada, then it was Colorado. I don't know if I'm not mistaken, it was Virginia. Now Georgia's looking to flip. Yep. And then Texas, like, sure. Yes. How do we stop the bleeding? Sure, let me give you a couple things to be forward. And some of you are going to be unhappy when I tell you this, but this is simply how it works. The reality of it is every state is actually red. And the question is, do they have enough cities to turn it blue? If you look at, at any part of this country, it's not actually state against state. It's urban against rural, right? The rural parts of every state are red. Right? Blue, clearly, New York State's a blue state. But if you go outside the cities, completely red. So Oklahoma is a red state, but going to cities, it's blue. Doesn't matter where it goes, right? So every single state is actually red. Does it have enough city to turn it blue? That's step number one. Realizing that, realize something else. And this is going to make some of you upset. The country's going left. Whether you like that or not, it's happening. And the major reason why it's going left is urbanization. As I just said, people are moving to cities. Why are they moving to cities? Mostly because at the 2008 and the crash... There was no recovery outside of cities, right? The rural areas are still devastated from 2008. That, why do you think we have such a huge problem with things like drugs, huge problem with people losing their farms, a huge problem with people leaving, right? There was no recovery outside the cities. That has not happened. The, our country did nothing to make things better in 2008. We basically just bailed out banks, said, guys, don't do that again. That's what we did. And then they took their money and they ran. That's what actually happened. With that in mind, people are still rushing to cities. As they rush to cities, they become urbanized. As they become urbanized, they become more left. And that means they're voting Democrat. So that's what's actually happening. If you look in the last couple of elections, even the last two presidential elections where Republicans won, uh, won the presidency, they lost the popular vote. And that's not stopping. And I know some of you, your heads are exploding. No, the country's going left. It is. I'm not saying I'm happy or unhappy. I'm saying that's what's happening. Any way you look at it, the country is going left. So what do we have to do? We have to find an alternative. Now, some of you are saying, but Larry, you know, they should just see Republicans are better. No, they don't. They just see Democrats are better. No, they don't. People who are afraid make bad decisions. That is simply human nature. People who are afraid make bad decisions. Groups of people who are afraid cry for one of two things. They cry for a, a strong man or they cry for socialism. One of the two. They all end in dictatorship. Different routes to get there, but they end in dictatorship either way, right? It doesn't matter. 
So they asked for both. Socialism feels nicer than strongman. So some more people tend to like socialism because it feels better. It's just as bad. It just feels better. So people will tend to move towards socialism more than they will strongman usually. The more right a country is or, or area is, the more they go strongman. The more left, the more they go socialism. So that's already happening right now. You might say, but Larry, let's just tell people how bad socialism is. Not good enough. Not good enough. Because if you just say one is bad, they would rather take the devil they know than the devil they don't know. In my rant last segment, as I said the bad stuff about socialized medicine, I also then gave an answer. Here's the way we make it work. You have to have another alternative. And then you have to do is over-communicate, 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 over-communicate. That's your answer. Give them an actual answer. That's why I spent so much time in a campaign last year with actual answers. Now we have to over-communicate, over-communicate, over-communicate. If we don't do that, until we're blue in the face, until people just are like, really, that's the answer? Yes, again and again and again. We have to over-communicate. So the answer is that. It's one of the reasons why I'm not stopping. If you look at so many people who run and have an idea or a vision or whatever, they, they run, and then what happens? They lose, and they go away. I knew this was a long war. I knew that even if I'd won last year, we still were nowhere near done. I knew this was a campaign that would be going on for years. I'm 100% over aware of that. So the answer is so. That's why I want to keep doing it and keep doing it. We over-communicate. We have a shot at winning this thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I just want to say that this is the reason why I, like a year ago, I was eligible to vote. Like the, Literally the first vote I cast was for you. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Don't stop. I'm not stopping. You can't stop. Okay. I got it. Awesome. All right, guys. All right. Um, look, if you want to call in 877 877- 480-4120. I put the wrong number at the top. I apologize, guys. I was rushing to get up there. We were running a bit late. I was rushing. It's not 887. That's no. It's 877-480-4120. All right. People have been asking me about stuff, and I'm trying to find it, but I, I, I forget stuff. Let me go down to one. Someone, someone talked about the idea of universal basic income. Let me bring this up real fast. This goes close to the idea of universal health care, too. It's a concept of everybody gets it. For those of you who don't know what universal basic income is, it's often called UBI. Some libertarians actually think it's a good idea. I don't. I am not one of those libertarians, but some think it's a good idea. Here's the thing to remember. UBI is universal basic income. What it means is the government will give everybody a flat amount of money every month. Usually, it will depend upon where you live, but not always. It could just be a flat fee. The second that's supposed to happen in this world, it doesn't, but it's supposed to happen is this is supposed to eliminate all other forms of welfare. In this world, this concept, UBI says everyone gets, for the sake of argument, only argument stakes that we have some numbers to talk about, everybody gets 3000 bucks a month from the government, period. Whether you work or not, whether you have children or not, you're breathing you get a check from the government, 3000 bucks. period. If you want to work, go work, make more money if you want to. You still get your check. You don't want to work, stay home, play video games. You get your check. No matter what, you get your check. The concept is if everyone's getting the check, then everyone's spending money and the economy keeps going. Plus, people who want to work can work and people who don't or can't work they're able to still get their money, and they can still function society. Nobody goes hungry. That's the concept. There are so many flaws with this, though. I am not a UBI fan at all. Several reasons. One, it just encourages us to keep printing money. That's the, the off the bat a bad idea. How much money are we going to print? Let's just keep printing money? Okay, at one point, the faucet's got to shut off. I mean, it just has to at one point, right? How much debt can we take? There's a point to where there's nothing left, right? So that's the first reason why I can't stand it. But there's many more. The next is, what is your incentive to actually work? Is it just because you want to? Who is going to be creating value? Nobody? Are we all going to stay home and watch Netflix all day? Who's going to build out the next Netflix? Who's going to make the next cool thing? Is only Elon Musk going to work and nobody else? How does that work? Not just that. What kind of example are we setting for the people around us? What kind of goals are we setting for the people around us, right? You have it now for people, and this is, this is you, you have 
You have people who've been somehow in public assistance for decades and sometimes for generations. Now you find that often becomes a generational trap. Why? Because if the children see the parents don't work, the children, remember, children don't do what we say. They do what we do. So when the children see mom and dad not hustling, why are they going to hustle? When the children see mom and dad watching Netflix all day and video games, what are they going to do? Watching Netflix video games. Why go to school? Why bother? It disincentivizes people. What does that mean? It will make a gap between the haves and have-nots massive. It will make a gap between those who run things and those who are sheep massive. There's already a gap. That gap will become huge. It will be a bunch of masses of people who just walk around playing video games and have virtual VR stuff on their head and the elite people who run them like sheep. And what happens when elite people start saying, oh, by the way, stop having kids. By the way, here's this thing to stop this, stop that. They'll just stop because they'll have no power. The habit of doing nothing will become normal. It is terrible idea. I'm not happy at all. But I'll go, that's what's going to happen. If UBI actually does happen, I hope it doesn't, but we are going that, rec- that way. If it happens, here's what re- really will happen. Someone's going to say, 3000 bucks is not enough for me. See, I need 3500 because this thing, right? Because I'm sick or because I have four kids and not three. I need 3500 see? Then someone else says, I need 3700 And now all of a sudden, it starts changing, shifting. Now, we don't just need the UBI. We also need the special kid credit and the guy who likes pizza credit. And, well, why would somebody do that? Because people want votes. Candidates want votes. And when I can go down and go, I want my people out of this area, and if I give them the extra 500 bucks a month, they'll vote for me. So I'll push that deal, and that will happen. So UBI, I get the concept. I do. The, the, the worry is, and many of you see this already, our biggest issue in this country when it comes to economics, when it comes to our, so, our social world, everything that matters to us, is not foreigners, is not foreign policy, is not Mexicans, is not Democrats, is not Republicans. It's technology. Technology is shifting so fast, we don't know how to handle it. Our society can't handle how fast technology is moving. To include jobs. Jobs are going to start going away, going away, and they are already, right? They are. I'll, I'll cover minimum wage right after this. That'll be the next thing we'll talk about, wage control. That's the next thing we're going to work on. It goes right behind this. <laughs> jobs are going away. That's true. And instead of us trying to prepare ourselves for that, we're doing a terrible job of that. We are instead trying to fight technology and hold on and fight technology and make wage controls and force people to do stuff and force this and force that. That's what we're doing instead. As we fight, now we start losing jobs and we're not ready to fill those gaps. So we're going to have massive unemployment already. There, there's a hole in our economy already that people are seeing, and that is there are tons and tons, and I mean millions of people who are underemployed, who've just given up, who are consultants because they can't get a full-time job. That's going to be more and more and more. And when that begins to happen, wow, how are we going to act? We're not ready for this. We're not ready to become as entrepreneurial as we should be. We have to move towards the entrepreneurial world more and more and more, and we're not it is a problem. It is really a problem. And UBI seems like a very easy answer, and that's why people are doing it. That's why they're doing it, because it seems like an easy answer. And to be forward with you, just as I tell you often, a lot of times government does provide a very simple, fast, short-term solution. And short-term, it'll be awesome. Look at the money we got. Awesome. Long-term, disaster. Long-term, like the end of our nation as we know it. That's how bad this will be. All right, yap to UBI. I guess people on the phone, I got to grab in a second. Um, let me, I'll be back in just two minutes. Remember, LarrySharp.com slash donate. You want me to keep going. You want me to keep doing this. You got to support me. You got to support me doing this. LarrySharp.com slash donate. Be back in two minutes. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you love or 
are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. All right, Larry Sharp back here at the Gov Shack. Thank you for listening in and watching. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your calls. I'll grab a phone call in a second. I want to make sure we know that I'm also in Jackson Heights. Yes, here in Queens on March 24th. So I am still everywhere. The campaign has not ended. It cannot end. We're not done. There is more work to do. I need you to be working with me. I need you to stay motivated even when you see horrible stuff happening even when you see bad stuff happening, um, even when you see you know, bad stuff, that things aren't going the way you want to go, doesn't mean we stop. We got to keep going. And I'm trying to keep going. Let me grab a phone call. Uh, line one, is this Kieran? Uh, yep. Kieran, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. What's going on? I wanted to ask you what you think the practical game plan is for the liberty movement. What reasonable uh, milestones should we be setting for 2020, 2024, so forth? Yes, absolutely. Um, look, a lot of people are talking about 2020. Do I want us to win the presidency in 2020? Of course I want to. The reality of it is we're probably not going to, and that's okay. What do I want out of, out of 2019 and 2020? What I want out of 2020 is a bounce back. Right, we really got Liberty Movement really got beat up badly in 2018. We had a lot of losses. We had a, we had a couple of good things, but a lot of losses. Right, a lot of losses in 2018. I want to reverse that. And for 2019, I'm looking for registration. I want people to start joining the party. That's what I want. A lot of people who are who are liberty minded stay in their old parties, and I get why. I'm not mad at them for it. It makes sense. That's how they often win and that kind of thing. But I want them to actually realize it's not working. Staying a Republican, staying a Democrat is just not working. I hope they finally get that, particularly in the states that are red. I hope if you're a Republican in the blue state or a Democrat in the red state, you just realize just bail on the other party. It's just not working. So in New York State, I want 100,000 enrolled libertarians. I want more and more people to realize do that in 2019. In 2019, also, I like some local victories that we can actually say people ran as a liberty candidate and won. In many cases, local elections are nonpartisan, so you actually won't be part of the Libertarian Party, but you'll be a liberty candidate. So I'm okay with that, particularly in local elections. In 2020, several things I want. I would love for us to really have impact in congressional races. In other words, I want people talking about how the Libertarian candidates either won, came close to winning, affected it, that's what I want when it comes to congressional races. On top of that, I want people in the liberty movement to be supporting each other. This sounds crazy, but we're not good at that. We're not good at supporting each other. I want us out there. And people who know me, I go out, I raise money for other people all the time. I am supporting right now Dwayne Whitmer. He's out there in Western New York. I've already raised money for him. I'm going back out there to raise money for him again. I've given a bunch of my team I want to support I want them to know he's supported. I want them to realize he's supported. And when you run in our party, when you run our movement, I want you to know that you are supported. People care. And there's, there's power there. When it comes to the presidency, here's what I want. I want us to win a state. 
I want a gold state in 2020. I don't care which one. I'd like multiple states, but just one would do. Give me one gold state in 2020 because here's the reality. We have to make sure, we have to make sure that what we actually do is make impact. Now, a lot of people talk about percentages. Not my concern. If we get percentages, great. But we got a decent percentage last time and no one cares. We got ballot access and half the states lost it the next election. Not what I'm talking about. I want every single time the news shows that electoral uh, map of, of, the, of the country, it's a gold state smack dab in the middle someplace. That tells everybody, third parties here, libertarian parties here. Now, why would that matter? Here's the truth why it really matters. And most people don't get this. Whether the libertarian party wins or loses, if we have impact, we will make for better Republicans and better Democrats because they will now have to measure themselves not just against the evil other, but also against us. And we actually don't have just the left-right. We actually have principles. And when they measure themselves against us, they will be better. How do we know that? You find the Republican Party in New York State right now rethinking how it should act. The conservative guy, uh, leader of the conservative party in New York State, stepped down. That already, it's already happening. We're making better Republicans and better Democrats already. Not just that. The ideas you talked about are being used. It's about the SAFE Act. That's already happening. How you, uh, uh, annulment's already happening in Western New York. I talked about this. It's already happening. D.C. is already looking at uh, uh, selling naming rights for the bridges. That stuff I talked about is already happening. So what do I want for 2019, 2020? That's what I want. Did I answer your question? Uh, yeah. Uh, so obviously we're not going to win the whole thing in 2020, but whoever well, we put on the ticket will affect public opinion yep. for us, and that will definitely be very important in trying to get us our movement across to everyone. Absolutely. Yes. So I hope we... So how can we control our image like that? I, we, we probably can't, to be fair with you. We probably can't. Uh, unless we go out uh, there and find somebody. We have to find somebody, I think. My, my perfect world is somebody who is popular and preferably wealthy and preferably a businessman. That's my perfect world. But I would take whatever we can get. I mean, as long as we get somebody who can get that gold state, I'm pretty much in. Um, is it, we could win. It's possible. I hope we win. I just don't think we will. But if we get that gold state, that's enough to make people go, holy crap, these guys can win. And if people think we can win, we got a real shot at winning. That's the number one thing. People have to believe we can win. Was that all right? Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. Let me grab uh, Tommy on line two. Tommy, how are you? Hey, brother. How you doing? Hey, it's Tommy from Indiana. How are you? Uh, we're, we're doing all right, Larry. That's what I want to uh, hear. A couple things. Um, first part of it is, is one, I agree with you. You know, once the, the impact hits uh, in 2020, and let's say that we get to states to go full-blown Republican, then yes, you know, the third party has arrived. Full-blown uh, Republican? You, the, mean, you've, you mean full-blown Libertarian? Right. Okay. The, the one thing that is going to have to be strived for more in leading up to 2020 and even in 2020 is getting a Libertarian on stage in the debates. Yeah, period. agreed. Yep. Um, to win, you've got to be in the debates. You've got to debate the two major parties. And, Larry, you, you know better than anybody, sometimes that is an uphill battle. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So, you know, that's my viewpoint on that. The reason I called you tonight was is, is you and I had talked about this before, but I want to kind of hone in on one particular area. Okay. Uh, and that is cybersecurity, but I want to look at cybersecurity in the healthcare field. Mm, sure. I have been seeing a lot of information coming out that we are headed for a cybersecurity breach yep. in the healthcare arena because healthcare in entities are not putting forth the effort to secure the data of the natural citizen. No, no, I get you. Completely. I yep. have stated it before, and I've stated it clearly that you know, in that particular arena. Cybersecurity begins with the individual. Once the individual takes steps for cybersecurity, then that individual that has taken those steps can 
make, as you have always said and told me many times, can make impact upon their doctor's office to say, hey, look, I'm securing my information on my own. But what are you doing to secure my information that is in your office? No, I, I agree completely. Can you some light on that, Larry? Sure. And, and how to how to affect change in that? Yeah, let me be very clear when it comes to all types of cybersecurity. Two things. Number one, if you're looking to start a new career or get into a new field, security is a great idea. There are many ideas and great places you can go to. Healthcare is one also. But security is awesome. Physical security, cybersecurity, um, uh, weapons, uh, technology, surveillance, you name it, it's all, it's all good. Barriers, any security, it's great to go into that, absolutely. But you personally, and when you realize something, the best security is a non-static, non-centralized security. You want security that is fluid and non-centralized and non-static. What does that mean? You should be trying to secure your stuff the best you can while others are doing the same thing. New ideas, new issues, new concerns. Remember something. The guy or gal who's trying to get your information or trying to get something from you, if they really want it and, it, and you're the one, they're probably going to get it. But the issue is you want to make your security good enough to where it's not worth it, right? You want to make it to where the amount of energy and time and money it takes to get your, secure, to get your information it's just not worth doing it. You're just not that damn important. Or I can't get that much money from your stuff. Or it doesn't make enough sense. All those things will make it easier uh, for you to keep your own uh, information private that you want to keep uh, that you want to keep private. That's what you have to worry about. Again, non-static, fluid, non-centralized, and each person coming up with different protocols, different ideas. You do that, things can rock and roll. But more importantly. Why do people want that information? They want that information so they can actually sell things to you and market to you effectively. Now, you might say, well, Larry, that sounds good. You like the market, right? Not when they're taking your private data. Not when they, they, not when they, they look and see you know, that your daughter um, uh, happened to go on uh, baby websites, and then they start saying, hey, let's sell your daughter some birth control pills or something like that. I, mean, I don't want that kind of thing happening unless you want to, in which case you volunteer and it's okay. So yeah, they're doing it for those reasons, plus something else, insurance companies. Actuaries are concerned about every single data point they can possibly get so they can make the insurance rates as high as is reasonably possible. They're trying to make that happen. So they want to gather those data points for insurance purposes also. Lastly, the government wants to arrest you before you do something. I'm not joking. The government wants to arrest you before you do something. So they get this data points and go, ah, here's all these data points. This guy might be crazy. So let's arrest him now. Let's take his firearm away now. Let's remove his kids from his household now. Let's do all those things now. So Tommy, your point's a very valid point. I hope we can work on that. Let me take a quick break, and I'll tell you guys at the break. Two minutes, and remember, LarrySharp.com slash donate. Support this show. Whatever you can do, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks. Monthly's best to keep this going. Talk to you in two minutes. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com
It is Larry Sharp back here at the Gov Shack. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I want to grab the phone call, but before I do that, let me pick up the idea of foreign policy. I bring up foreign policy because people seem to think it's super, 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 super important. And it is. But it's not super important for the reasons you might think. It's not super important because we need foreign policy to protect America. That's not why it's super important. It's super important because it wastes a whole lot of our time, energy, money, lives, blood, treasure, and it's distraction. It's all those things. It's distraction, right? So things are going bad at home. Let's talk about Syria. Things are going bad at home. Let's talk about North Korea. It's distraction. The perfect example of that was last, last year during the campaign here in New York, you found Governor Cuomo, who was running, never talked about New York State. Only talked about Trump, 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 got to beat Trump. Trump's all that matters. Trump's a bad guy, going to kill us all, got to get Trump. So he talked about. If New York State was doing well, wouldn't he talk about New York State? Of course not. The newest thing for our governor now, by the way, in case you haven't noticed, is now Florida is stealing our New Yorkers from us. Damn you Floridians. You're stealing it? I don't know. I didn't see the truckloads of Florida people coming here and kidnapping people, but that's his new thing. Now Florida's stealing New Yorkers. It's always someone else's fault. It's always outside. That's also part of what American foreign policy has been. You have to realize that. A lot of times people use foreign policy as distraction. Look over there. Look over there. Don't look at the problems we have in our own backyard. So keep that in mind, guys. While foreign policy matters, it's nowhere near as important. It simply isn't as important. Is it valuable? Yes. And here's some reasons why. All right. Number one. Um, the first thing is we spend a whole lot of money on our defense, which is not defense. I want to tell you something which may sound you crazy, may sound crazy. There is absolutely zero, almost time, zero threat of America being invaded. Zero. Zero. Not one in a million. Zero. There is more chance of aliens from the planet coming down and invading America than any other country. No one's going to invade our country. Not going to happen. Fantasy. Not going to happen. There are over 300 million guns in this country. Over 300 million guns. There's more guns than there are adults in this country. I'm not even joking. There's more guns than there are adults in this country. And you think someone's going to come and invade us and occupy us? Are you crazy? We couldn't occupy Vietnam. Someone's going to occupy us? Never going to happen. That is a fantasy. The idea that they're going to invade us is crazy. What should we be worried about? What Tommy was talking about, cyber attack. That's a real concern. That might actually happen. Yes, that is a problem. Tommy's right, right? Information attack. That's a problem, right? Maybe a dirty bomb. That's possible too. But even as a dirty bomb, a terrorist attack, that's not going to take down our nation. Think about 9-11. 9-11 was devastating. 3,000 people dead. Trauma for tens of thousands of people, if not more. Physical damage in the billions, if not tens of billions of thousands, physical damage. Not just that, Wall Street shut down for days, if not weeks, months. And we're fine. I'll say it again. And we're fine. I'm not saying that that wasn't important. It was. But didn't crush the country. Didn't topple our, didn't topple our economy. Didn't topple our government. There weren't riots in the streets. Why are we so afraid? I want you to ask that question. Why are we so afraid? Remember how afraid we were of ISIS. Remember that? ISIS is going to come kill us. Where's ISIS now? Nothing. And I said it then. Then. There were more New York City cops than there were ISIS fighters. Say it again. More New York City cops than ISIS fighters. And they're five or 6,000 miles away with no boats and no planes. They got France and Britain in between them who have nuclear weapons. And we're afraid of ISIS? Why? Well, they said they're going to kill us. Great. I say I'm going to invade Spain. Should Spain be afraid? Who cares? Now, if you remember the movie and the TV show, sorry, the movie and the book, 1984, they were always at war with somebody. Well, we've always been at war with East Asia, or we've always been at war with Southeast Asia. Have we? I don't know. That happened with us. 
We didn't know if we're at war with ISIS, are we at war with Al-Qaeda, are we at war with Syria, war with Iraq, I don't know. Some people over there we're at war with. We're always at war. Perpetual war. Why? It's distraction. I want you to realize something else. We, as America, we have not won a war in 70 years. I'll say it again so we're clear. We haven't won a war in over 70 years, yet we've been at war for about 70 or 80 years. And the last time we won a war was World War II. We haven't won a war since then, but we've been at war forever. If these wars are going to destroy us, why aren't we destroyed? Because the wars don't matter. They never have. We're just at war for distraction. This has to end. We have to stop fighting other people's civil wars. It's not our place to fight. We should not fight there. Our foreign policy should be very simple. Trade, 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 trade. And then after all that trading, trade. And then after that, trade. And then after that one, trade. And then after all of those trades, trade. And then finally, trade. That's our foreign policy. That should be our foreign policy. Embargoes are stupid. They never work. They have never worked. Because right now, Cuba is now the same as it was when we started the embargo 60 some odd years ago. Huh, that didn't work, did it? Well, North Korea, that, oh no, they're the same, aren't they? Oh, but Iran, no, they're the same. The embargoes have failed every single time. They will always fail. You guys who've been paying attention to me know I've said this a thousand times. Our culture is a hundred times stronger than any bomb we could ever drop. Give them our culture, they will turn and be our allies. If we wouldn't be fighting Iran since 1980 and we instead had instead of embargoed Iran, said, you know what? Give us our people back and we'll open up all our trade and we'll open up diplomatic, diplomat, uh, diplomatic um, uh, our, diploma, uh, our embassies again and we'll just start talking. Let's just start trading and talking. They would be our ally today. And they wouldn't have nuclear weapons. Why? They wouldn't need to. That's a waste of money. How do we know that? The Germans don't have nuclear weapons. The Japanese have nuclear weapons. Why? We're defending them. Why should they? They could afford it and could build it. The German scientists built our nuclear weapons. They could build their own if they wanted to. They don't have them. The evidence is here. We've got to stop North Korea. He's crazy. The guy in North Korea is not crazy. Just a dictator. Doesn't make him crazy. That makes him a dictator. He knows violence, so he uses violence. He's not crazy. I'll ask you a question. Where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? We've given him no way out and wonder why he fights. Give him a way out. Let him go. The answer for foreign policy is trade, trade, trade times 10. All right, let me grab a phone call real fast. This is Chris. Chris, how are you? Hey, Larry. Good evening. Uh, Semper Fi, brother. Semper uh, Fi. I just wanted to ask uh, for your opinion on the campaign finance reform the uh, New York State Legislator and Governor Cuomo is proposing. Um, in my, and I just wanted to get your opinion on the matter. I feel like political uh, you know, campaign contributions from corporations have come under scrutiny in the past two years, so much so that now um, the government at the House, you know, in the, at the federal level and the state level, are trying to pass a six-to-one match, you know, under the cover of night so that people aren't informed as a way to uh, uh, boost their coffers. So I'm just wondering how you, how you feel about that. And, yeah, and look, you know, here's the issue. Should, should there be bad. campaign uh, finance reform? Yes, absolutely, of course. But the answer is not, not more laws. Now, Ocasio-Cortez, I don't know if you happen to see it, she did a piece that she put on, I think it's Now This, Brilliant. Yes, it's, a, it's trending. It's brilliant. She is amazing. I love what she did. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not a fan, but I can give credit where credit's due. She did, it was perfectly Absolutely. done. Political theater was masterful. Masterful political theater. Whoever coached her off, she figured it out herself. Kudos to her or to her team or to both. Well done. The problem is she clearly showed the problems. And Democrats sometimes can be very good at at showing problems. They can be very good at that. What they're not good at is an actual solution. Their solution is always more laws, more laws, more laws. Here's what will happen when they add more laws to the campaign finance reform. Now, more lawyers will find loopholes and more small guys, little guys, like us trying to run, will be lost 
and we're going to get fined and go to jail. So it will only hurt the little guy. You really want campaign finance reform? I'll give it to you. Here it is. Number one, corporations are not people. We're never people. Should never be people. We should be embarrassed as a nation that our Supreme Court made corporations people. Corporations are numbers in a computer or numbers on a piece of paper and nothing else. The concept that we made them people is shameful. They don't vote. They don't have rights. They don't have freedom of speech. They're not in the Constitution. It didn't say we the people and our associated entities. It didn't say that. We the people and our LLCs. It doesn't say that. We the people. Corporations are not people, number one. With that in mind, corporations or organizations should not be able to give any money. Only people can. Because the other part of that was true, which is money is free speech. It is. If I have money, I want to give it. I should be able to. But here's the issue. If I spend stuff, my own money in my own world, I shouldn't tell anybody. It's my money. I do what I want. But if I put my money into the public sphere, right, where now others are affected by the people who I vote for, then it must be public. Period. Every, anybody should be able to take whatever money they want from anyone as long as 100% public. They should wear their, their donors in their arms like they're NASCAR drivers, Right. If you want to take $10 million from Newt Gingrich, take it. You want to take $100 million from George Soros, take it. But now we know where you got your money, and you will now be concerned about how it looks. You'll be concerned about ethics. But with the new rules, here's all that will happen. PACs will still exist. The wealthy will have PACs. The little guys will not be able to get money. That's what this will make happen. PACs will still get be able to give money because PACs aren't corporations. PACs are committees. That's the scam. So PACs will still be able to give money. So the big heavy hitters will still raise hundreds of millions of dollars to make this happen. They'll still do it. But the average guy will be stuck and have to sit in the old paradigm and go to jail. That's what I think about campaign finance reform. Well, I appreciate that, sir. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. I love the ideas. Thanks for calling. So. All right, guys. I want to say thank you so much. If you like what you hear, support me. Yes, I'm bugging you to give me money. Yes, I am because I'm not done. Find another guy who's doing this. It's me. If you like what you hear, LarrySharp.com slash donate. This isn't free. I have to pay for it. So I'm not working. I'm not with my family. I'm with you. So thank you, guys. This is Larry Sharp, the GovShack. I will see you in a couple of weeks. LarrySharp.com. Good night. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative.
Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network, 